Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. thirst is real. My thirst. Okay, I'm thirsty. Um, Some news just broke. It is now a little bit past midnight here in the Clothis, located in Parts Unknown, also known as the Upper East Side, New York City. And Bethany Ann Frankel posted to her Instagram around 10-ish and said, guess what, motherfuckers? <laughs> my language. I am posting a picture of me and Lenithia Leakes. And we are doing a podcast episode together. So I saw that within minutes of her posting and just started listening (laughs) immediately. (laughs) Like I just, I think I sent it to OG of the AG, Damian Bellino, and I went click (laughs) and just started. I didn't even think about it. (laughs) I just started listening. Um, at one point I was uh, talking with, uh, with a a recent guest who was like, oh, there's no way in hell I'm going to listen to it. And I was like, I'm listening right now. (laughs) I am taking notes. And it turns out it's a, at least a two-parter. I was surprised by the fact that, that Bethany dropped two parts at once. She then posted on her stories, like, listen to part one here. And honestly, a part of myself was like, was that intentional <laughs> to drop both of us tonight? Just based off of her drop schedule. Um, and, and the fact that honestly, if there was a two-parter with a housewife who is likely going to have a very specific and unique story to tell, um, I was surprised that she would drop both at the same time, noting the drop schedule for the Rachel of it all. So both parts were dropped. And I know because I just finished uh, listening to part one, I know that content creators are doing their level best and they're summarizing and they're, you know, sharing all the spicy parts that are are being discussed. And I honestly didn't want to do that just because AG is long form. I felt like just for me as a podcaster, I wanted to hear Nini's story in its entirety. I wanted to hopefully share that. I didn't want it to be like a, okay, she told her life story, but you know, here's the stuff that you might be keyed in on when it comes to the reality reckoning. And that was sort of the setup of the episode drops, not in timing, but in storytelling. So the first part certainly is about Nini's life, childhood, relationship with Greg, getting into then her joining Real Housewives of Atlanta, a little bit about her experience and her friendships on that. And then you get the nudges toward the end that it's leading to the conversation around the quote unquote reality reckoning which appears to be at the heart of part two. Now, I have not listened to part two yet. Quite literally, (laughs) I just pressed play and took all of the notes in the world for part one because I wanted to focus on Nini's story and the way that she wanted it to be told. And then we'll likely recap part two for an upcoming AG Classic drop. Um, I know that there's going to be a lot of info that people are going to be interested in on the second part. But I actually really think the first is equally important because Nini has done some interviews. She was on Tamron Hall however long ago. She was recently on Carlos King's podcast. Um, And there were things that she seemed to 
sort of want to stay away from discussing certainly her lawsuit, which she intimated was ongoing, which was news to me in her conversation with Carlos. And with this, because there was sort of the space to really focus on, and then you were born, and then you were a child, and then you were a young adult, I felt like that was incredibly important. Um, even as a podcaster and thinking about sort of the trust fall exercise of it all, especially when you've only really shared your story a, a spare number of times in it, during conversations in which you may or may not have felt in control. Um, I would argue that in the Carlos interview, I do think Nini felt, I think she she did feel comfortable, which was great to see. But with this, it felt like they were really taking the time to tell Nini's story, which I appreciated and wanted to share because I thought it was really interesting. And I think as much as people might want to skip to the reality reckoning of it all, I think it's all connected. And to understand the ways that she was brought up and her experiences and potentially even triggers, I think that's helpful. Also noting, obviously, she started um, Real Housewives of Atlanta so close to the beginning of the Housewives creation of the Housewives universe, that to understand the impact and behavior of stuff we've seen in the last couple years, it's incredibly important to me, at least, to kind of get a sense of her life in ways that we might not until now. Because long form podcasts, as you guys know, are fucking stream of consciousness. And um, well, they can be sometimes they're not. But um, but they are typically somehow long form. And um, I think that Nini's story deserves that. And I know that they're going to people going to be people who understandably so are like, oh, another thing and Bethany and yada, yada. And I get it. And I also have to say, the very first thing I did when I saw that fucking photo was click. <laughs> listen, I was like, zoop, like immediately started to listen. So um, you might listen to this as the companion to that. You might listen to this instead of that. Um, it's entirely up to you. But I just kind of wanted to share um, a little agey record of um, what was discussed, certainly what I felt the need to highlight in listening. So let's get to it. Um, their conversation was recorded in Connecticut. Bethany um, mentioned that they had spoken a few times earlier in the week, and Bethany said she felt Nini seemed different. Nini said, I'm, I'm better now, and I know I'm going to be okay she says she's become an overthinker and that she mistrusts people in a way she didn't previously. Bethany said she's chatted with Nini about doing a few things which they will quote unquote get into. <laughs> so at that point, we're talking the very beginning of the episode. I was like, ears perked. Like, I don't know if that's going to be part two or some fucking, I don't know, long form featurette. <laughs> I couldn't tell you what that means, but I was intrigued. Um, and Bethany noted that she feels like Nini is the GOAT, the greatest of all time when it comes to housewifery. Nini um, had apparently commented on one of Bethany's recent Instagram posts, and Bethany said she felt that Nini at that point needed an internet hug and told her producers, now it's time to get Nini on the podcast. She said that she's gone back and forth previously and was like, contact her, don't contact her, get her on now, don't get her on now. And Bethany said she felt now was the right time to talk. This I found interesting because Nini seemed fragile and frayed, aka to me vulnerable. Um, she noted, similar to what she said at, at the top of or maybe in the behind the scenes footage with Rachel that we should have this happen soon because she might cancel. The It's sort of similar when it comes to energy and emotion to how a little bit of how she encapsulated and described Rachel's seeming state of being. Um, I thought it was interesting for Bethany to say she thought it was the right time because Nini seemed particularly fragile. I think in a conversation that is obviously going to 
um, end up being about the reality reckoning and potentially people being taken care of uh, or (laughs) taken care of, LOL, people being taken advantage of um, and not being taken care of. I thought it was interesting that that Bethany acknowledged that Nini seemed, in my words, vulnerable, in Bethany's words, fragile and frayed, and was like, this is the time to talk to her. And I get that. I think about that honestly through the lens of a reality TV producer, of someone saying, like, she seems quiet in a way and different, but, you know, that's a nicer way of saying what Bethany did, which was, like, fragile and frayed. Now, am I saying that Bethany took advantage of Nini? No, I'm not. I'm saying it's an interesting use of how Bethany viewed Nini's state of being and thinking that someone who appeared fragile and frayed that that would be the exact right time. And I get that. I honestly get it. As a podcaster, as a podcast producer, I get the feeling of like, it feels like someone is willing and able to open up. I totally understand it. Um, I'm sure that I have felt similarly about conversations with different people when it comes to feeling like you can end up at or meet at some point um, like meeting at the intersection of truth, Um, that there's going to be a conversation that will feel substantial as a result that maybe wouldn't have prior, maybe wouldn't after, but that now feels like the time to have a conversation that will hopefully have some sort of value. I get that sense. I'm not criticizing Bethany. I am just acknowledging (laughs) the use of the language fragile and frayed is different from like, and now is the time to speak your truth. I mean, Bethany is seemingly being extremely honest about how she viewed Nini or views Nini now. I just thought it was interesting that the idea of someone seeming fragile, that that would be the right time as opposed to like the way that I kind of think about it, like this person feeling comfortable and safe. Um, I don't know. Language is important. Words are important. I'm I'm sure Bethany feels that way. I guess fragility and feeling frayed, which again is her characterization, her opinion, whatever, her perception, that that would be the perfect time to have this kind of talk was interesting. Anyway, so um, Bethany said, you know, Bravo has been implementing better workplace conditions, which came out in a piece deadline and other um, places um, in a seemingly leaked or found letter written by an executive, which seemed to be a big win, albeit not the tip of the iceberg for Bethany's reality reckoning. And Nini commented on one of Bethany's Instagram posts about it. Nini said she felt like they had heard Bethany and had heard her quickly, and it felt shocking. Bethany acknowledged that they had had different experiences. They Their voices were heard differently, and that at the end of the day, they agree a win is a win. Bethany, which actually, I don't know what this says about, I guess, how I view Bethany, that I thought this was a, a pleasant surprise, that Bethany recognized her own privilege. Um, including as a white woman in Hollywood, in noting the difference of how their voices were received. I'm sure that they will get into more of this when it comes to the part two reality reckoning, which again is available now, which I will unpack uh, hopefully in a future AG classic. And I, I thought it was interesting that in Bethany recognizing her privilege as a white woman in Hollywood, that being an important conversation, maybe one that they will have um, in a more substantial way on the second part of the episode. I'm not quite sure. I also wonder if they acknowledge the difference of experience because Nini's came as the result of filing a lawsuit. Now, Obviously, we are aware of some lawyers who've been talking to some reality TV participants from Bravo shows and members of the crew and production and whatever else. We have no idea what that will lead to, if anything. There have been legal letters that have been sent to the network, which I got into on previous episodes. And so who knows what will happen with that. But I wonder, um, in addition to the copious privilege that Bethany um, has experienced, 
that in this example, I cannot imagine being in Nini's position and watching the ways that the network seemed to be taking her critiques seriously and doing something about them. And while obviously they were different circumstances, there was a lawsuit involved, whatever else, I could understand Nini feeling a certain way about the reality behind the network's reaction. Um, so I thought that was a, an interesting point and one I really appreciated um, uh, Bethany for recognizing because, again, I don't know what this says about how I see her, but I was like, oh, what a pleasant surprise. So Bethany asked Nini about her childhood and her life growing up. She said her mom had her brother young at like 18 or 19 in Georgia, then moved to New York City where Nini was born, but her roots and family remained in Athens, Georgia. Her aunt became essentially a surrogate mom, and Nini maintained contact with her mom, spent summers with her in New York City. Her mom then had more kids, and Nini felt abandoned by her. She said she just had the the feeling that became sort of paramount in her life that she never came back and got us. Um, she felt a little bit like she didn't fit in as a kid. And her aunt was married to Nini's uncle, who Nini referenced and referred to as an extreme alcoholic. He had several DUIs. He would curse um, her aunt out in drunken rages. Nini said he was never physical with her aunt and noted that he was really a quiet man until he drank, that essentially the drinking gave him permission to, to say the things that he would keep buried until he started to have a drink. Bethany acknowledged her childhood and said she faced similar circumstances. Um, Nini said her aunt was a seamstress and had a shop and lived until she was 92 years old. She died a year or so before Greg. She also raised her grandchild and great-grandchild. So she was really the person in the family who was taking care of kids when they needed a, a caretaker and a caregiver. Um, she said her aunt made her do all the activities in the world, brownies, Girl Scouts, um, whatever else there is that exists, and made sure that she also went to college. She said um, she seemed to be attracted to men who could be abusive, which she said she believes stemmed from watching her uncle's behavior play out. Her aunt told her she couldn't date until she was 16 years old. Then when Nini turned 16, she was like, just kidding. <laughs> You're still not ready. You seem emotionally immature and delayed it until Nini was 17. And then um, Nini went to college. I believe she said she went to Morris Brown and got with a boyfriend on campus. She then met a man who became the dad of her oldest son, who was also abusive. They didn't have sex until she was a freshman in college. They dated for six to seven years. And she actually has a relationship with her oldest son's dad now. He probably will never acknowledge the abuse that she experienced, but he understands that she is not afraid to discuss it, um, that that is the truth of what actually took place. She said she was in such a bad place with the abuse, that once she got away from him, she said she would never date a man who was crude or mean or nasty, that she definitely had boundaries, intense boundaries up, and maybe some blinders of the ways that some men are not going to lead to that kind of behavior. She'd never dated an older man, and then she met Greg when she was 28. He was 41. He wasn't her type. She found roses and chocolates that he gave her corny. She said she didn't recognize a gentleman and how she should be treated, that it was like kind of like a joke to her or strange, the ways that he treated her well, that she thought that was odd and, as she said, corny. Um, their first date, which apparently happened during the Olympics, they went to Benihana in Atlanta the people at Benihana said there would be a, late, uh, a wait for a table. So they went to the bar and just talked. And she said they had the best date. And he ordered for her when she didn't know what she wanted. He taught her that dessert was great. <laughs> she wasn't a sweets person. And he was. And it just seemed like 
a microcosm of the idea that like Greg treated her well and wanted her to experience things that she would enjoy. He asked her for another date the next day going out to lunch. And at that lunch, he told her she would be his wife one day. And she was like, absolutely not. Nini said that, in fact, Greg was the love of her life. She said, I don't know that I will ever experience this type of love ever in my life, once in a lifetime love, Ugh, which like gets me so verklempt just even saying that out loud. Oy they really were such an incredibly interesting dynamic couple. You could see the ways that he loved her. He was devoted to her and she was devoted to him. And Nini gets into stuff relating to their divorce and um, how the show impacted that or not. And I just really... Ugh, there's just something so heartbreaking about the fact that he's no longer here. Um, and she, you know, acknowledged the fact that she wished, obviously, that he was. She said he charmed her. They got engaged within six months, married within a year of meeting. And Bethany asked a question I thought was incredibly interesting, which was, do you think he would have been okay with this interview? And Nini said, I think he would feel 50-50 because he likes to keep the peace and said that he would understand what would happen as a result of this interview. And that might not make him thrilled about the idea of it happening. She said she has needed him so much since he's been gone. And there's something, again, just entirely heartbreaking about that. Nini said she used to make fun of him having glasses and squinting and joke that if he was here, she would have to admit she might need them too. I think that's the thing with loss that's so difficult to to kind of understand the idea of when like the future becomes the present and you know you're relying on memories but hoping and sort of mourning the ability not to be able to make fresh ones we're going to blame this on pms <laughs> and continue moving on Bethany said she couldn't remember the first time that she, the actual first time that she and Nini met, but she remembered a dinner in LA, a plane ride, and she said things that you said to me, which will be interesting. She said that Nini also came to an event she did and was really seeming like the new girl in town, that Atlanta was brand new, and Bethany had actually thought expansion of the franchise was a dumb idea. Then Nini came to an event and brought two friends, and she said, <laughs> this is iconic, I have to leave them with you and go be Andy's date at a party. Which <laughs> just like, you're dropping off your kids at daycare. <laughs> I gotta go to work. I just wish if, you know, I had a crystal ball and was able to see some moments from Housewives in history, I wish I could go back in time and see Bethany's face. When Nini, who's like the new, you know, superstar, the star of Real Housewives of Atlanta, this like brand new franchise, rolls in with two people and is like, okay, bye. <laughs> I got to go be with Andy. Bethany's so good to see you. I'll chat with you later. Bethany said she felt like she had dust on her. Um, and apparently the event was going to Anderson Cooper's house. So Bethany took Nini's friends to an event where Beyonce was a surprise performer and took them to a club after and the doorman wouldn't let them in. So they went to STK to have dinner instead. She was so upset and said that Nini's friends were trying to console her and were like, no, this is fine. Like the music here is fine. And she was not having it. She emailed the owners of the club um, that she was denied entry to and said she forced them to go back um, herself and Nini's two friends and cursed out the doorman. <laughs> and so they were let in and this, you're gonna die. I <laughs> literally died. <laughs> she said they let, you know, they let us in. And this is the night I met my ex-husband. That she was so upset that she couldn't get let into this club. And Bethany acknowledged in telling this, she's like, and then I had a decade-long <laughs> divorce. And she was like, I'm so appreciative for my daughter. Love Brent to bits. But do I wish I hadn't gone back? 
<laughs> like a couple shades of uh-huh. I just thought it was wild <laughs> that like her friends, Nini's friends were like, you don't have to, you don't have to go back. And then she steamrolled back, sent some, I'm sure, wildly shitty email, yelled at the doorman, which feels sort of like classic Bethany, unfortunately, was let in, kind of like steamrolled her way in which she has used to successful effect as well, and met her now ex-husband inside. Um, she said, I wish I had listened to Nini's friends. Nini said that she went to Anderson's house that night, which um, B interjected and said she went to once. And Nini thought it was so interesting that he lived in a former firehouse. She thought that was so unique. And this was an interesting little moment that Nini shared. She said... Anderson loved me and it was so surprising that he and Andy became friends because Anderson loved me. And I thought that was really interesting that like, what is she intimating there? This is a genuine question. Like, what is she intimating there? Is she saying that Anderson made the wrong call or that she was, she really should have been Anderson's bestie and not Nini's. Like, I don't know where Andy was in his friendship with Anderson at that point. Obviously, they have become seemingly best friends, certainly lifelong friends, raising kids the same age together, going on tours together, doing an awful lot. They seem really like they have a great friendship and very close. But I thought that point was really that moment uh, that remark really was rather interesting that like, are you saying that Anderson made the wrong call? Are you saying that you should be in Andy's position? I mean, I would argue, couldn't it be both? Like, I guess Anderson could be good friends with you and also Andy. I don't know. It just was an interest. It was a genuinely interesting aside. I found it fascinating. Um, Nini said she felt like she was the favorite then, and she certainly didn't see everything to come. Bethany noted that she felt jilted um, and that Bethany certainly became the favorite at some point, which, quote unquote, we are definitely getting into. And she noted that on a plane they were on together, Nini told her she could only focus on one project at a time. Nini said, like, essentially, LOL, that has certainly changed now. Ciao, AGs. I am speaking to you right now from Rome, Italy, where I am having a little bit of a European adventure. While I love the city and have had so many unique experiences to historical sites, the Vatican, we went to the Pantheon earlier today, there was a little bit of a hiccup in the apartment that we're staying in. And while I really enjoyed getting to know Fabrizio, the owner of the flat, there was a little bit of a language barrier because I unfortunately do not speak any Italian, even though I have watched The Sopranos all the way through at least three times. And this is where Rosetta Stone comes in. What would have helped me enormously in traveling abroad would have been brushing up, also known as entirely learning, the language of Italian. It could have broken down barriers and conversation with Fabrizio. And I also think speaking the language of the place that you're in is a sign of respect to the locals. It's also the ability to fully immerse yourself in the experience. And me not knowing any Italian, apologies to my grandpa Reno, who did make pizza from scratch, it would have been an incredible and even more incredible memorable experience. Rosetta Stone is the trusted expert for 30 years with millions of users and 25 languages offered, including Spanish, French, Italian, that's right, German, Chinese, and even more. Rosetta Stone immerses you in so many ways. There are no English translations, so you can really learn, listen, and think in that language you want to learn. It's designed for long-term retention, which is especially helpful for me because while this is my first trip to Italy, I really try truly hope it won't be my last. The lifetime membership that Rosetta Stone offers has all 25 languages for any and all trips and language needs in life. That's lifetime access to all 25 language courses that Rosetta Stone offers for 50% off. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, AGs can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com today.
today. Ciao. Hey, AGs. Are you ready to add a touch of luxury to your home, just like the Real Housewives? BCC Villarosa. Introducing Home Threads, where style meets comfort for the ultimate glam experience. Picture this. Chic furniture, one could even say chic c'est la vie, that mirrors the elegance of your favorite housewives' mansions. With exclusive designer collections and a curated selection, HomeThreads.com has everything you need to make your space as fabulous as the housewives themselves and always at the best value. Unlike Joe Gorka's initial attempts at windows, perhaps. Now, I have to tell you, I know that Padma is no longer on Top Chef, and may her memory be a blessing, but nothing has made me feel better prepared to host future seasons and potentially even iterations of Top Chef Upper East Side Edition than the Henkel's clad 10-piece stainless steel cookware set in silver that I got along with a two-piece stainless steel ceramic nonstick fry set from Zwilling thanks to Home Threads. It makes me feel like I am finally ready to be a top chef one egg over easy at a time. They're gorgeous. They look great in the apartment. For someone like me who lives in New York City which with a very small space, what I have in my kitchen is important because guests who come to visit me see it. And I'm so, so thankful to have discovered Home Threads because now I feel fully prepared to make eggs a la Francais. Head over to HomeThreads.com today and live your best Real Housewives life. Go to HomeThreads.com slash AndyScrolls and get a code for 15% off your first order. Again, that's HomeThreads.com slash AndyScrolls for a 15% off code off your first order. HomeThreads, love where you live. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Bethany asked if she could talk about Nini being a dancer. And Nini was like, do you mean stripper? Nini had left at that point her son's dad and needed to work. In Georgia, you could be and appear completely nude. And she saw a newspaper ad that nude models were needed. So she, you know, followed the ad and it landed her inside of, I think, a a strip club in Atlanta. I think she said it was called Cheaters. Nini walked in and they asked her to see the house mom inside. And the house mom asked her to take her clothes off and dance on the dance floor. She realized she knew how to dance but not perform sexiness. But she figured it out and was there for three years. She said she worked at really nice places. She worked at the day shift so she um, could be there while her son was at school, which she noted was private school. She was able to enroll him in as a result of her work, that she would drop him off and then go inside and dance. And that she has run into some people from her past time at um, the club, but hasn't maintained any relationships with anyone, or at least long-term relationships with anyone. And Bethany said, you know, isn't it so interesting that you're, you know, ashamed of something and you don't want to discuss it? And then years later, you're fine about talking about it, although it only came up on TV because someone wanted to bust you for it. And Nini interjected and said, no, I I was actually fine to discuss. I I wasn't ashamed. Um, It happened during season one or season two during a photo shoot with Derek Blanks. So Nini came out with it. And Bethany said, oh, I I thought someone used it to try to shame you. And Nini said, I I felt empowered dancing. I actually felt in control and that she could take the lead with men. She could be financially independent and it helped her with her next chapter. Now, the way that Bethany phrased that of like, isn't it so interesting that you used to be ashamed of something and now you're fine discussing it? obviously is putting at the forefront here the idea that certainly Nini felt shame about this. And I thought it was an important kind of 
um, response that Nini said, no, that actually isn't the case. And in fact, it wasn't used for the first time as like a vehicle of someone trying to use it to humiliate me. That in fact, this came up very early in the series during a photo shoot, um, which I thought was an important point and one that I appreciated, uh, in which I appreciated Nini's response. She said her next job um, after leaving was working at Lancome in Macy's. She started to laugh and was like, Lancome. <laughs> Nini was like, is it still a thing? <laughs> Bethany said immediately something along the lines of like, yes, and they're under eye concealer is one of the best. And then I just, all of her TikToks flashed before me and I had to take a moment to collect myself. She said the um, job working for Lancome happened after meeting Greg, that he was the breadwinner and Nini did not feel like a career woman, but she did want to be an actress after they got married. So she started taking acting classes. Greg never thought she would make it and thought it was really genuinely just a hobby, but she kept saying she would go to Hollywood. So years later, Greg paid for her to go to pilot season, even though she had no rep. Prior to that, she was stuffing headshots into envelopes and mailing to agents. She got maybe one call from that, and she learned about pilot season after, and Greg paid for her to... Um, attend, even again without a representative, which makes pilot season quite difficult. Bethany interjected that that was actually how she ended up at the Church of Scientology because someone called her as a result of her also stuffing headshots into envelopes. There was no follow-up on that. <laughs> they moved on. So I went back and I was like, can I listen to that one more time? Because it was just so fucking random. And maybe this is a story that even I might have been told. And there could be maybe a previous AG where I'm like, yeah. And then Bethany talked about ending up in the Church of Scientology for, I don't know, an audition to be friends with Tom. I couldn't tell you to be the pre-Katie, Katie Holmes. I don't know. There was truly no follow-up. Nini just like continued on, honestly, understandably. Because there were many points. She, I, th- I, genu- I genuinely thought, it's good that I have to keep saying genuinely, but um, I don't know what that tells you, but I genuinely thought that, I, that, Be- that Bethany did like a, a good job with part one. Although the interjections could be somewhat complicated because there were points in which Nini was telling her story and the Bethany was like, oh yeah, and then you felt a certain way and then this happened and Nini's like, nope. No, and then this other thing, nope, or maybe the opposite of that, or no, that didn't occur. Or I know, essentially, I know that you were trying to get me to say the thing, so I will consider it. I will consider if that is the reality of how I felt about the toxicity of reality TV. Maybe I'll give you some response to that. But there was a little bit of a ping pong effect in, at, at points, me wanting really, truly, <laughs> it's it's unfair, but, you know, welcome to AG, where I just kind of felt like, can we just listen to Nini now? <laughs> Like, we don't, although, you know what, I did go back and listen to that moment about the Church of Scientology, and I truly did not get any questions answered. And maybe if there end up being 15 drops to this conversation, maybe we'll find out about it in the future. Um, So circling back to Nini's story. So Nini said she worked as an extra. And then one day she met a well-known casting director who was working on a lot of shows featuring Black talent. She auditioned for a big role in Fighting Temptations, which was a movie with Cuba Cuba Gooding Jr., say that three times fast, and Beyonce. She auditioned for a big role, and this casting director, Robbie, um, loved her. And then after the fact, Nini got a call and was told, okay, you didn't get this part, but there's something else that could work for you, a one-off role as a stripper. So she got a SAG card. She took the one-off role and ended up being able to get a SAG card, and that Robbie called her in for little parts here and there, and that she was in the game. She said Greg was doing well, so she would fly in and out from Atlanta to L.A., L.A. back to Atlanta, and did that for about four years. And then she got defeated and said she needed to stop and be in Atlanta uh, full time. And at that moment, she met someone who said the Real Housewives of Orange County's casting director is coming to Georgia and said they were looking for an Atlanta cast for a show called The Ladies of Atlanta. 
She was told, well, you know, you you need to live behind the gates. And Nini said, I do. She wasn't looking for reality. She didn't know what reality TV meant and, in fact, blew off the casting director for a couple weeks because she didn't entirely understand what the show had in store. The director finally called her and was like, what the fuck? Are you going to take it or not? And so, you know, are we going to have this meeting? So Nini said, okay, and then became cast in the show. The director is essentially like my words, but sort of like besotted with her. I mean, the energy of Lenithia Leakes is not one you um, soon forget. So she leaves her house and asks her, you know, who are your friends? Essentially, can we build the show around your friend circle? So Nini said, you know, I'm friends with this woman, Sheree, you know, Bob and Sheree and Nini and Greg would double date often and that she was certainly a part of her life. And she also suggested Kim, who had lived across from Nini at that point. Their kids went to daycare together. This is pre-Big Papa. They also had the same trainer. And Nini said, I was very interested in her that because they went to the same gym, she would see Kim on the treadmill in Juicy Couture, in a wig, smoking a cigarette. And she thought to herself, this is an interesting white lady. So Nini talked to her and they hit it off. And let's just take a moment as just like a little bit of a mental clarifying exercise and think about being in a gym, you know, having a trainer, living your best life, and looking over and seeing someone on the treadmill, a white lady in Juicy Couture, in a wig, smoking a cigarette and thinking, this is an interesting white lady. I mean, absolutely, I agree. (laughs) I just, the mental image, I mean, we've seen Kim, you know, eat like Papa John's with the little glasses on while she's getting some fun cosmetic science experiment contraption done. And I just, I can imagine it. I can imagine it. And I can, I can very clearly see Nini's face of like shock and maybe some confusion of what's actually taking place in front of her and also possibly delight. Um, So she said that producers came down to prep for the show and Nini told them she had a white lady in mind and they said, absolutely not. Nini countered back and said, no, no, this is a different kind of white lady. She essentially pushed her through, brought her to a lunch and production. She won production over within five minutes, essentially because production was scratching their heads and was like, literally, (laughs) what is in front of us? Which I feel like is a um, genuinely reasonable response to meeting Kim Zolciak, Bierman, I guess Zolciak again, depending on who you ask. Um, Bethany compared it to uh, Jill and herself and said, um, you know, things happen, but you, you were made for each other. You became better as a result of your friendship. And she also, Bethany, then talked about the ways that friendship is affected and sometimes strengthened, albeit temporarily, because of reality TV. She said, you know, friendship can be nurtured through the show because nothing is real. There's no other way to get through it than with the people you're filming with. And you also might become best friends with someone because the show needs you to be close. She asked Nini, were you ever very close to Kim? And Nini said, we weren't very close, but we were very cool. Bethany asked her, do you regret going to the mattresses with her on the show? And Nini said, can't say I do. Bethany acknowledged what she has said on previous episodes and certainly on social and said, you know, reality TV is a zero sum game. It's the mafia. You have to kill or be killed. There's really no middle ground. She referenced the fact that her makeup person that day, the day of the interview with Nini, is actually friends with Tinsley. And Bethany said, oh, I like her. And that would be a surprise to anyone who actually watched the show. They both said that you essentially can't share secrets with anyone in the cast because it could be used for plot. But also, if you're caught with secrets, (laughs) that can be cute. That can be used for plot. All of a sudden, you know, reality TV changes, the game changes, and glam became a part of it. Nini said that when she was first on the show, she was the underdog. She didn't have an athlete husband like the rest of the cast or Big Papa like Kim. 
she said, you know, Greg was an executive. We were we were doing fine, but he didn't he wasn't a player in the NFL. Bethany asked, so you felt poor? And he said, no, but I felt like the underdog. She didn't feel insecure, but she knew she had to be herself. That's the only thing I had. I can't pretend to be someone else, so I have to be myself. She said, I didn't know that it was going to work, especially as everyone else is wearing designer stuff. She thinks that the rest of the cast thought they would be the stars. And then bloop, the underdog took center stage. Bethany asked her, "Do you did you believe your BS? Like when Rich became a part of the environment, you know, because look at Beverly Hills, which has all this pressure to prove wealth and elevation and can become incredibly competitive to prove wealth. Nini said, yes, it was somewhat competitive, but also, you know, we lived in big houses. It's more affordable to have a big house in Georgia than New York. Bethany, again, was sort of like putting forward the you felt pressure to perform wealth and said, you felt pressure to be rich. And Nini said, yeah, I felt a little pushed. Bethany talked more about the impact of reality and the perception of friendships on reality TV, certainly on The Housewives. And she said, you know, with friendships, the interaction is real, but the circumstances are not. Do you feel it's real and has it changed? Nini said season one was real, including fallouts, including her fallout with Kim. She noted that she and Trey had actually fallen out before the show, which is truly not a surprise to anybody who watched the series, and that relationships really started changing season four and five. And now everyone's making shit up. There are fake stories and fake boyfriends. She said, we were so good because we were so real. Bethany said it was, in fact, her favorite show, The Real Housewives of Atlanta. Bethany said she's spoken to a lot of housewives, including people who really felt the pressure of being on reality TV and took antidepressants as a result. She asked Nini if Nini felt the pressure, and Nini said yes, and before or around the time that things were going on with Greg, Season five, season six, Dr. Jeff had come on the show and the reunion, and Nini felt genuinely low and isolated. And as someone who has a visceral memory of watching that reunion cycle, I remember there was that moment where, like, Kenya was reaching out to Nini and saying, you know, we aren't that far apart. Our moms didn't claim us. Like, there are similarities, and yet we can't find a common connection. I remember, and Nini acknowledged, like, I think I walked off at that point in the reunion or during that reunion cycle. I remembered it was, I'm sure everyone who watched it um, probably does. It was an intense moment for Nini and one that did feel low for her as a viewer. So the fact that she was calling that out, I was like, you know, head nod. Nini said she can't say for she can't say the show was 100% responsible for her marriage breaking up. But certainly being on the show didn't help that Greg felt intimidated by her having her own money, which she never sought which she had never saw as a possibility in him. Bethany sort of cut in was like, yeah, because you weren't making your own money until then, which I thought was an astute point, to be honest, of like, I didn't, I had no idea if my husband would be in, my husband would be intimidated by me making my, my, by me making, (laughs) words are fun, you guys, at 1am, by me making my own money. And Nini, uh, and Bethany's response of like, yeah, because you weren't making your own money after you got married until you were on reality TV. Um, She said at that point, she didn't need to ask for permission or access to get things for herself as she had until then. And that Greg liked providing and he wanted to feel needed. He said she went Hollywood, whereas Nini felt she just had money, that she still loved him, but he wasn't happy. She said that she may have made him felt emasculated at times, albeit unintentionally. Bethany asked how they got back together. And Nini said he moved out about one or two miles away from her house and that she'd drop off their son, Brett. But they didn't speak until one day when she dropped off Brent and he said, "Um, my dad said to tell you hi, and that Nini looked up and Greg was in the window. And from there, they started talking, which they hadn't until that point. 
and he became less focused on her success and what that meant. Nini knew at this point he was dating someone, which sidebar, I mean, they were quite literally divorced. So certainly he was more than allowed to be dating, but that she um, went over one night because she knew his girl was there, girlfriend was there and felt territorial. And um, that at that point, she they had been talking prior for maybe even several hours. And he said he would call her back um, because he wanted to take a bath and he didn't. So she drove to his house <laughs> one or two miles away. And even though the house was dark, she just had a sixth sense and was like, something's up. Um, I think she also noted that, you know, men are dumb, which cosign. So she decided to go to the back of the house to check it out. Um So she walked around to the back of the house and that lights were on and she saw some blinds were open. So she peeked through them and saw Greg with a girl. And of course, Nini being Nini was like, hello, and tried to knock on the door, ring the doorbell or some shit. I mean, iconic Nini behavior. Then he refused to open the door. So she went home and an hour later, a, a number she didn't recognize called and asked if Nini was still with Greg. And Nini being Nini was like, absolutely, we are still married. <laughs> How dare you? Even though they were quite literally at this point divorced. And this poor girl was like, oh, my God. And Nini said she was like, girl, bye. And then told Greg to come home, which which he did. She said that couples have to be very, very strong to survive reality TV, but they can, but friendships won't survive. And inside some sort of friendship duo, whomever that is, she doesn't name anyone, but there's certainly some people who might come to mind based on Nini's prior narrative about their dynamics. She said, essentially, the weakest link will always be found and people will use that to their advantage. She said that her friendship with with Marlo became different when Marlo became a housewife herself, um, that they had had a different kind of relationship that changed. And she felt that there was a possibility that maybe Marlo had been counseled to potentially not talk to Nini while she was on the show that she didn't want, maybe production didn't want any information to get out, which I thought was an interesting point. Um, She said that she, that Nini felt that Marlo understood that she was not a puppet, which she had been called by members of the cast, that Marlo understood that wasn't happening. And yet the cast still got into her head. Bethany said, the audience doesn't understand that this show is going to be designed for drama, for high stress, that people are surrounded by alcohol and stress and pressure, and that members of the cast are in a perpetual state of stress, including being manipulated by producers, aka including being alienated from potential friends. And Nini said, yeah, they're definitely being told that you need to be independent from a friend, that you're being counseled, that like that's not great strategy to be so close with this person instead of really getting to know others on the show. And Bethany mentioned that essentially it's like a whiteboard in an office, that it's story producing happening where people are just writing names on a board and deciding who needs to go with who and what will make better story. And as a result, people exist in a state of paranoia and anxiety. Nini said it doesn't have to be that way. It would be better with a little direction, but less manipulation. And Bethany said, you know, Housewives franchises are like Dunkin' Donuts. Everyone is managed differently. It's sort of like the upside down because what's celebrated on reality TV is bad and toxic behavior. That producers will high five someone who is drinking when they weren't before. That essentially no one ever forced someone to drink, but sleep deprivation and stress and copious alcohol available, it's an environment prone to binge drinking, aka to people who are saying, um, I I guess on her social media posts, but certainly also in conversation, when it comes to the network now putting out updated information about wanting to 
reduce dangerous drinking behavior that people are saying, well, it's not like you're being forced to drink, you make that choice. And Bethany is acknowledging that critique and saying, okay, it's not like someone physically forced you to drink, like handing you a glass and saying you must drink this. But it's an environment in which you are entirely out of sorts, feeling vulnerable, deprived of sleep, stressed AF, and there's alcohol available to cope, that it's an environment in which alcohol becomes an important part of the cycle um, and of the story. Nini said, I've never been told to drink. Um, I just personally like it. Bethany asks her, don't you, or sort of asks, instructs. I don't know, kind of trying to get the conversation to go a certain way. It's it's less obvious, certainly, than it was in her conversation with Rachel, if you even agree with what I just said, that there's like a there was a little bit of a it felt like a checklist in Bethany's convo with Rachel of like, and then you felt this way, and then this happened, and then didn't you feel upset when this happened, and then this happened, and it felt like it was leading to quotes or responses that were in line with how Bethany wanted Bravo to look as a result. And with this, it felt a little bit, that energy certainly is felt at points, but it wasn't as um, key to the conversation. It didn't really carry everything in the way that um, it did in the conversation with Rachel, which I thought was interesting. And there were genuine, there were a lot of moments that felt incredibly genuine. And this is um, an episode I would definitely recommend listening to. I mean, again, can't say it enough. <laughs> Started listening quite literally immediately <laughs> after it came out, which tells you something about my interest in listening to this. And um, uh, you know, I would I would recommend it. So essentially, Bethany said, um, we both played the game like it was, you know, sports and we both played well and we also have seen each other play. And she said, I sometimes saw you double down on frustration and upset and seemingly sticking to behavior that felt like it was going to be self-sabotaging or imploding that you would just refused to seemingly apologize. You would double or triple down. You couldn't listen to feedback, which I thought was astute. And Nini said, I keep it real. I don't backpedal. I know that there's a time to apologize, but I'm the kind of girl who keeps it real. Now I'm a different kind of girl. I used to keep it 100. Now I'm at 75. She said, people don't really want you to be real. And Bethany referenced the Taylor and Travis critique that she recently shared. Um, she also said, you know, keep it 75. You should coin that phrase. Nini said she stays 100 for a small circle and is at 82 today. Bethany said, we are raising this from a B minus. Nini said, you know, a lot of times people don't want to hear the truth or they say they want to hear the truth, but they really don't. It's too harsh. She references what um, Bethany was saying about Taylor and Travis, that Bethany had said something about, oh God, I don't even know, like Taylor trying to be too much of like a football wife or girlfriend or something because you know, that's an area in which we need Bethany's feedback. Um, and Nini's responding to that and essentially saying, you know, you you could have just kept that to a 75 and massage it and wrap it up in <laughs> what I have here as a note. At this point, sleep deprivation for me is kicking in. So we're going to pretend this is <laughs> quite literal. It might be that essentially to keep the Taylor and Travis critique to a 75, you massage it and wrap it in frosting <laughs> and diapers. And um, uh, I think at that point, Bethany said she was going to keep it to 93. Bethany was very into <laughs> keeping it 75. The fact that she interjected and was like, you need to coin that, <laughs> aka you need to monetize it. So they ended the um, episode with Nini at 82, Bethany keeping it at 93, and certainly I assume part two will be closer to 100 than not. Um, so that's the first part of the episode. Did I get emo at points? I did. Am I going to go to sleep tonight thinking about 
Kim Zolciak, Bierman Zolciak again, walking likely slowly on a treadmill in Juicy Couture, Velour, or Velvet. I had both. Terry Cloth as well. Smoking a cigarette with one of her, you know, Kim wigs on, which P.S. you can now buy for several thousand dollars more than they're worth. But am I going to go to sleep tonight thinking about that magical picture, majestic Hollywood essence of it all? Absolutely, I am. Um, Again, would I recommend this, listening to this? Absolutely. Why not? I think it's important and interesting to hear Nini's story. I really, as a completionist, um, but also honestly, not to be like a total cheese ball, but I genuinely feel like with respect to Nini, that I, as much as I understand why people would potentially just want to skip forward and listen to part two, if you're going to listen to it, I would say listen to both. I think it's important to hear Nini's perspective and also understand just kind of like the ping pong back and forth, even in conversation and interview style. Because if you consider more of the reality reckoning specifics, the meat of the matter, I really, really would recommend starting with part one first. And so both parts were dropped tonight. I listened to part one, which was over an hour. Part two is also over an hour. Um, And I'm curious for your thoughts. I thought uh, Bethany honestly did a solid job, at least from what I've heard so far, being halfway through. And, um, you know, there was a lot to kind of unpack just in the ways that Bethany saw Nini as being somewhat delicate now. And again, thinking that was the right time to talk. I mean, she might be entirely correct. I just, the phrasing of it, I thought was kind of, um, I don't know that odd is the right word, but obviously language matters because I'm focusing so much on it right now. It is also late at night. Um, I I thought it was an interesting moment and I, appreciate Nini feeling like it's the right time to talk. I just, I can't imagine how odd it must feel to be Nini in this place, knowing what she has said and done about her experiences at Bravo and seeing potential change now happening now because of Bethany, Bethany's voice. Not that Bethany is the reason this is happening, but Bethany is certainly leading this charge. So um, I'm happy that they were together. I know that when Bethany was sucking down fucking seafood or whatever the hell, whatever she's not allergic to in that hotel room in Atlanta, people thought she was there to interview Nini at that time. And I don't know why she was there at that point. We might find out if it was somehow related to this conversation. But um, it sounds like they had had conversations after Nini posted on her Instagram and which led to this recording in Connecticut. So a real to be continued. I mean, on a scale of, you know, five bloops or plonks, I would give it, I don't know how many. I, I would encourage a listen. I just, I don't know. Tis the season, I think, to hear Nini's story. And I appreciated the energy between them, which is like, which is an interesting one. Um, and I liked how often uh, Bethany acknowledged Nini's importance because um, I'm so used to Bethany talking about her own that genuinely I appreciated the fact that it was less about all of the stuff that Bethany constantly reminds reminds us she's done and more about um, Nini's success, which I appreciated. So listen, I said what I said. Listen to it or don't, but do. I, I would recommend doing, but I appreciate you for listening to this episode. Speaking of listens, two, actually three <laughs> new episodes up on the AG Patreon this week, including an hour plus deep dive of all things sports with Bravo Bravo Jucking Bravo because we get into the thick of all things Taylor Swift, Travis Kelsey, my obsession with Jason Kelsey, and a documentary featuring both Kelsey brothers, but really focused on Jason's journey with the Eagles um, that Bravo Bravo, Ducking Bravo, and I both that we both watched and essentially sobbed through. Um, So we discussed that in an hour plus long Patreon that also includes status updates about BravoCon and more. And a Satchel Spectacular, which also includes my live reaction to the Potomac trailer, which also dropped earlier today. Something I watched for the very first time live for Patreon, did it twice because my goodness, was that trailer 
fucking incredible. Um, so I get into the nitty gritty of that and some thoughts on all things um, Giselle and Robin, because obviously the Robin and Juan uh, drama, I don't know, continued dynamic um, is going to be a, a big part of the upcoming season. So I get into that on the Patreon which is also the number one way to support the pod, get exclusive bonus episodes and so much more at patreon.com slash Girls. Follow me on Instagram and allegedly threads at Dame Galley and comment on the IG post about this app. I want, I'm curious for your thoughts. If you listen to this conversation, if you staunchly refuse to listen to the Bethanini of it all and why, I'm, I'm really, really curious. I'm also going to post a little poll. Um, all right, guys, on that note, oh my God, truly, <laughs> I can't say enough the fact that I just, it just was a physical, <laughs> immediate physical reaction. F goes up, gotta listen to it immediately, take all the notes in the world and hopefully make some sort of sense for it for you guys tonight. So stay tuned, hopefully for part two, unless this ends up being like a 15 part thing. And then I really no promises. Um, so on that note, good night and good luck. <laughs> And I will talk to you on AG Classic soon. Bye-bye. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. 